Welcome to this week's episode of Walking with the Master. My name is Ken Winter, and this week's episode is entitled, As They Waited. Do you find yourself in a situation where you are waiting on God? Has He given you a promise that hasn't yet come to fruition, and you feel like you are sitting in the waiting room? If so, there is an important lesson to remember. Waiting is not inactivity. As a matter of fact, it is a lesson the early disciples modeled well. Ten days passed between Jesus' ascension and the arrival of his promised Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us generally that his followers spent that time gathered in the upper room and in the temple praying, praising, and worshiping God. But in the midst of that period of time, Luke records two specific incidents, the specifics of how Judas Iscariot died and how Matthias was selected to replace Judas as the twelfth apostle. We know that there are details that the Holy Spirit led the writers of Scripture not to include. And we know that everything that was included was for a purpose. Paul wrote to Timothy, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Therefore, I think it is reasonable for us to ask why these two specific details were inserted in the midst of this time of waiting. As a matter of fact, I think it is also reasonable to ask how these details are applicable to us in our respective journeys. Peter gives us the key to the answer right up front when he tells us that what the Holy Spirit predicted long ago had to be fulfilled. The first prophecy that Peter referenced was regarding Judas Iscariot. Peter reminded the other disciples that King David recorded, let his home become desolate with no one living in it, meaning that the betrayer's evil deed would cause his name to become reprehensible for posterity, and his final resting place would become contemptible. In the first century AD, the name Judas was a name synonymous with honor, and therefore a very popular name. In fact, two of the twelve disciples were named Judas. The name was often given in recognition of Judas Maccabeus, one of the great generals in Jewish history. He and his followers defeated the Assyrian armies in 165 BC, restored the religious rites, and rededicated the temple in Jerusalem. Simon Iscariot would have named his son Judas in the hope that he would be a man of honor in the tradition of Judas Maccabeus. But as Judas Iscariot's treachery became notorious, that was no longer the case. Today, if you look up the name Judas in the dictionary, you will find one who betrays another under the guise of friendship, a deceiver or traitor. As a result, the name Judas was no longer a popular choice among parents determining the name for their bouncing baby boys. Judas' name became reprehensible as a result of his treachery, as foretold by the prophecy. Both Matthew and Luke give us an account of Judas's death. When he fully realized the consequences of his betrayal of Jesus, the condemnation of Jesus to die, and the damnation of his own soul for his part in the deed, 
he took thirty pieces of silver and threw them at the feet of the leading priests and elders. The priests themselves considered the money as payment for murder. Matthew records that right after Judas threw down the coins, he went out and hanged himself. Luke, the physician, ever wanting to give us all of the details, adds that the hanging rope broke, causing Judas's body to fall headfirst to the ground, causing his body to split open, spilling out his intestines. It was a gruesome death, brought about by his gruesome treachery. Because that land was defiled by his suicide, the priests decided to use the coins to purchase the land to be used as a graveyard for foreigners and the dregs of society. As the news of Judas's death spread, the field became known as the field of blood. When Luke writes that Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery, he is saying that the payment for Judas's treachery is what was used to purchase the field. His treachery and the use of the ransom to purchase just such a burial site was in fulfillment of the prophecy recorded by Zechariah. So they counted out for my wages thirty pieces of silver, he writes. And the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter, this magnificent sum at which they valued me. So I took the thirty coins and threw them to the potter in the temple of the Lord. Judas's final abode, his burial place, became contemptible as a result of his treachery, as foretold in the prophecy. The second prophecy that Peter reinforced is in regard to choosing a replacement for Judas. He reminded the apostles and us that King David recorded, let someone else take the betrayer's position. The night Jesus was arrested, the apostles were engaged in another discussion about which of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. After having corrected their thinking from being rulers to being servants, Jesus told them that upon his return, each of them would sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Even though Jesus had only ascended to heaven a few days earlier, the apostles always believed and acted in a way that was consistent with their belief that his return was imminent. Oh, by the way, we should act in that very same way. But getting back to them. Therefore, they saw the selection of a twelfth apostle to replace Judas as an urgent need, so that they might be prepared for Jesus' return. Though the Holy Spirit had not yet been sent to empower them, they still had the Word of God and prayer. Jesus had on multiple occasions made it clear that Peter was to be their leader. When Peter referenced the prophecies of King David, he was not doing so on his own. He was being led by the Spirit of God, even though he was not yet indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Thus, Peter responded to the leading of the Word and the Holy Spirit to fill that vacant position. Through their process, the Lord subsequently led them to select Matthias. Now let's come back to our original question. Why all this concern while they waited with how Judas died, the field his blood money bought, and the way he got replaced as an apostle? First, and most importantly, it is imperative for us to remember while we are in the waiting room that what the Holy Spirit says will be fulfilled in his timing no matter how long it takes. 
prophecy was fulfilled even through those who rebelled against God. No matter what people may choose to do, God's promises in his word are invincible, irrefutable, and indomitable. Even when you are being betrayed, his purpose will not fail. Even when you see godless action taking place around you and to you, God ultimately prevails. He has no need to panic. Not even Judas or Satan could undermine or escape the all-encompassing invincibility of God's purpose. No one and no thing can. Trust that his timing is perfect. Second, the importance of the memory of Jesus that Matthias preserved when he replaced Judas corresponds to the importance of God's written word in our lives. It was important that whoever replaced Judas was someone who had been a follower of Jesus the entire time from his baptism to his ascension. It was important that they had heard and witnessed Jesus' teaching and miracles firsthand. The Holy Spirit was soon to arrive to indwell those believers, and specifically the apostles. It was important that they not only be filled by his Spirit, but they also needed to be rooted in his word, his teaching. They did not have benefit of the New Testament. They would be the writers and messengers of those truths. It was imperative that they be firsthand witnesses. The same principle holds true for us. We too must not only be filled with the Holy Spirit, we must also be rooted in His Word. At the time frame of this passage in the upper room, the Holy Spirit had not yet come to indwell them, and the New Testament had not yet been written. But today we have both. John Piper writes, If our roots are not sunk deep into the words and deeds of Jesus, preserved for us by the apostles, then it is certain that our branches will not reach very high into the sky of God's power. One other point that is worthy to note. This is the last time we ever see believers casting lots to discern God's will. Remember, at this moment in time, they were not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Once the Holy Spirit came to live within them, He led them and guided them in all truth. Jesus had told His disciples the night of His betrayal, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He guides us today. We do not need to cast lots. We only need to listen to His voice and follow His teaching. The words spoken in the actions they took while they waited that night in the upper room 2,000 years ago do indeed apply to us. They point us to His unfailing Word. They point us to His unchanging character. And they point us to the invincible outcome of His purpose. All of which we must hold on to as we continue to wait for His promise and His promised return. I invite you to read Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 26, or listen to it on your Bible app, to get the scriptural background about this account that we're discussing today. And portions of this episode have been taken from chapter 3 of my book, Until He Returns. Information about how you can obtain a copy of the book is available on my website, kenwinter.org. Well, thanks for joining me this week. 
and I hope you'll do so again next week as together we walk with the Master.